Scooby, Scooby, Doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Finally, it's 8 a.m. and time for what the three networks variously promoted as Funshine Saturday, Socko Saturday, or Superstar Saturday. Five solid, unadulterated, sugary hours of pre-adolescent entertainment featuring the comedic stylings of the Banana Splits or Rocky and Bullwinkle. The 1970s are the golden age of Saturday morning children's television. You see, adults had it all backwards. Their Saturday night fever never held a candle to our Saturday morning fever. So settle in with a bowl of Captain Crunch and adjust your fire-retardant footy pajamas. I'm Joel Rhodes, telling history. In television's first decade, children's programming typically aired on weekday afternoons and early evenings. Then in 1964, the Hanna-Barbera Animation Studio led a cartoon migration from primetime to Saturday mornings, first with the Jetsons, followed by their Stone Age counterparts, the Flintstones, and later Johnny Quest. By 1967, all three networks had densely packed Saturday morning programming between 8 a.m. and noon, with their own seasonal schedules. Animation and advertising are the reasons. Hanna-Barbera pioneered cheap, mass-produced, limited animation shows, essentially recycled sequences with minimal action or character movements. And once advertisers understood that Saturday mornings attracted huge audiences of exclusively children, commercials for toys from Kenner, Mattel, and Hasbro, and sugary cereals like Count Chocula proliferated. Who doesn't remember? We'll be right back after these messages. Unlike primetime ratings, it wasn't always quality writing or artistry that determined a show's success, but cheap production and ad revenue. But what adults considered trash, children found treasure. Superheroes, or super friends, dominated in the early 1970s. Then comedies, The Wacky Racers, and Scooby-Doo, a masterpiece. Visionaries Sid and Marty Croft produced live-action fantasies with trippy puppets, H.R. Puffin Stuff, and Land of the Lost. There were also cartoon versions of proven primetime series, like The Addams Family. Schoolhouse Rock and Fat Albert provided educational, or what the networks called pro-social, programming. For pre-adolescents, 5 to 12 years old, these goofy shows served as a cultural touchstone and rite of passage. Saturday morning television performed what scholars call a bardic function, a social practice providing youth with a common language, a shared repository of jokes, reference points, and play that shaped childhood's contours. Elaborate rituals developed. Television test patterns called the faithful to the living room at the crack of dawn before parents awoke. For the only time all week, children claimed control of the channels and menu. Situated just so on a comfy couch in blankets or pillow fort, and accompanied by favorite toys, Audiences broke their fast with cereal or peanut butter toast eaten in front of the TV and replenished during commercials, lest you miss Dudley Do-Right's shenanigans. With the volume low and no means of recording, careful show planning required studying scheduled network lineups and being prepared to switch channels when interest waned. Invariably, power struggles ensued given differing taste amongst older siblings. Often these were reconciled by harmonizing together. Scooby, Scooby Scooby-Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Despite its timeless feel, these sacred youthful ceremonies are gone now. For kids, it usually ended with the teenage years, when adolescents preferred to sleep in, and for broadcasters, when cable challenged networks' profitability. The last real Saturday morning cartoons aired quietly in 2014, with no fanfare and without so much as a the-the-the-the-the. That's all, folks.